Welcome to the Shepherd's Voice with Pastor Johnny Awanyo. This simple, scripturally sound preaching and teaching of the Word of God will direct you to Jesus, the Good Shepherd. Follow the Shepherd's Voice into the green pastures that God has purposed for you. There, you'll find rest for your soul and the fulfilled Christian experience you crave. God bless you as you listen. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. And you are welcome to the times of restoration or our restoration service. Now we are the shepherd's fold restoration family. Amen. You like the name of your church. Now, we believe that Jesus, the great shepherd, is our shepherd. Amen. And we belong to his fold. We are part of his church. And he is the one who is in charge here. Hallelujah. Through the Holy Spirit, he leads us, he guides us, he directs us, and he governs us. And we believe, as the Shepherd's Fold Restoration family, that as we lift up the name of Jesus, souls will be won, lives will be transformed, needs will be met, and problems will be solved. Are you excited about that? And are you glad to be a part of this great family? Then clap your hands and show it right now. Hallelujah. Amen and amen. All right. Bow down your heads and let us pray. Father, we are happy to be here again. Thank you, Father, for the encounter that we are going to have with you this morning. Thank you that it is an encounter that will lead to an impartation where all kinds of wonderful blessings will be imparted into our lives. I pray, Father, that you will grant unto us today a heart of faith. May we be prepared in our hearts and in our minds to receive your word, which is able to save our souls. I pray that you will grant understanding to everyone who is here today. May we never be the same in Jesus' mighty name. And let everybody say, Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. All right. Well, today I'm going to bring my series on the risks of faith to a conclusion. Hallelujah. Today, 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 the risk of faith will end today, today. Eh. So I'm going to do that. I like to finish everything that I start. And uh, we've been at this for some time. Is that not so? All right. Now, turn your Bibles with me to Hebrews chapter 11. I'm feeding back. I don't like it. It's irritating. Somebody should do something about it. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8 to 10 from the New Living Translation of the Bible. And somebody should turn that speaker a little bit more away from me. Hebrews 11, 8 to 10. It was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land that God will give him as his inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going. 
And even when he reached the land God promised him, he lived there by faith. For he was like a foreigner living in tents. I can't feel you. And so did Isaac and Jacob who inherited the same promise. Abraham was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations. A city designed and built by God. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his holy word. Father Abraham was 75 years old when he heard from God. And God instructed him to leave his country, to leave his kindred, to leave his father's house and go to a land where he, God, was going to show him. And God promised him and said to him that I'm going to make a great nation out of you and I'm going to bless you. God said to him that I'm going to make your name great and you'll be greatly blessed. God said to him that anybody who blesses you will be blessed and anybody who curses you will be cursed. May Abraham's blessings be yours from today. I didn't hear your amen. I didn't feel your amen. Amen. And God said, all the nations of the world will be blessed because of you. After hearing that voice, Abraham took off because he believed God and he had faith in God and he had faith in the word of God. Hallelujah. Now to have faith is to have confidence to have the assurance, to have the certainty that what you are expecting and that what you are looking forward to will be manifested in your life. And this is what Abraham had. He had confidence. He had an assurance. He had a certain conviction and certainty in his heart that what God has said, he was going to do in his life. There's a song we sing, F. He has promised he will never fail I will adore him I will adore him He has promised And he will never fail His faithfulness Is forevermore His faithfulness Is forevermore He was confident that what God had promised him was going to happen. Now, as a result of his faith, he set off. 75-year-old man with his wife, who also decided to follow him. They didn't take him to the hospital, to the psychiatric hospital, to go and check him out. Because at his age... Every expectation was that he would be relaxing and taking it easy in life. He took off with his wife, with his nephew, with all the members of his household, and he had a very big household. The Bible tells us of a time when there was a war 
and certain kings came up against the king of Salem and other kings and they defeated them and took out took captive certain people in you know in their entourage and all of that now Abraham was the one who went to the rescue of those who had been taken captive because he had in his house about 300 trained soldiers I mean the guy was so great that he even had a personal army and they went to fight against a confederation of three different nations and he defeated them so what that means is that when he left his father's country and left his father's house he carried all of those people with him because I don't think they were born during his journeys they were with him he took all of those people on his excursion and on his adventure and he did it in faith and I've explained to you ladies and gentlemen that the things that Abraham did and the steps that he took he took them out of faith but he had to take certain risks and I've made it abundantly clear to you that your faith many times will bring you to a point where you will have to make some high risk moves it is riskier not to take risks in this life and if you are not prepared to take risks there are certain blessings that you may never encounter in your life in Hebrews chapter 6 verse 12 the Bible says that we should be followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises now Abraham and many other faith people that we read about in the Bible are people that we can follow because they turned up well and they did very well they became great they prospered and they obtained a good report before the Lord can I have an amen from somebody because of your faith may God be pleased with you the Bible says that without faith it is impossible to please God and so anyone who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them who diligently seek him may God reward you for your faith and may God by his spirit strengthen you and give you all the courage and the boldness that you need to take the risks that are necessary so that you can see the good results of your faith can I have an amen from somebody who believes the word of God hallelujah now the fact that there are risks of faith that we must take does not mean that we should be reckless it doesn't mean that we should just move and do things by heart as we say in Ghana and so I started saying with you last week about certain lessons that must guide the risks of faith lessons that must guide the risks of faith is that not so all right pick your 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 notes if you were here if you were not here but you are here today I'm still expecting you to have notes because if you watched online last week I hope that you were not just moving from the kitchen to the bedroom 
with your Captain Haddock hat, drinking Fanta and chewing chips. Alright? But that you were actually taking down notes. So let's run through what I shared with you last week. What is the first lesson that must guide your risk of faith? Everything in this life is a dear bang. It's a risk. And there are no 100% guarantees. Is that not so? Number two, what's the second lesson you, you, you have? When you don't take risks, you may be actually settling for nothing. When you don't take risks, you may not have anything in your life. Hallelujah. So the reason why sometimes people don't amount to much in this life is because the risks that they're supposed to take, they do not take them. So nothing great comes out of them. I declare to you today that that will not be the story of your life. May God take you from a place of nothing and bring you to a place of something. May God turn you from a nobody into a somebody. May God lift you from under and set you on high. May God cause you to become great and cause you to prosper mightily in this life. And may great things be worked by your hands. In Jesus' name, can I hear your amen three times? Two. Three. Hallelujah. What is the third lesson you, you wrote down? All right. There is a need to be patient as you wait to reap the benefits of setting faith risks. Because points near the mammon, and so when you meet a lecturer who is a wicked one, because you left out certain words, he may give you half or quarter, and the most wicked of them all will give you what? Zero. So there's a need to be patient. And listen to me, my friends. To get to where God wants you to get to. To become what God wants you to become. To achieve great things in your life. There is a need to be patient. Great things don't just materialize overnight. You don't get promoted in a day, in a moment, in a twinkle of an eye. Because we live in an era... So we can call this generation microwave generation. Everything fast, fast. Fast food. Fast what? Fast delivery. Fast what again? Fast cars. You know, fast transgender. Wow. I don't know about that one. But you see, because of the kind of Generation, You see, that is why you realize that a lot of young people seem to be in a hurry to prosper and to make it. And that's why they do a lot of the things that they do. That's why they get into Sakawa. That's why they get into internet fraud. That's why they get into hacking of people's accounts. That's how come they can go to places to go and do amazing things. That's why a, a 13-year-old, a 14-year-old boy will catch a friend of this and cut off his head. Why? Because they want to prosper. They want to buy cars. You see, 
understanding. The Bible says, He that hasteneth to be rich hath an evil eye. In key, and don't you say that? We are begging for. Yes, please. Anybody who is in a hurry to prosper, anyan eshe minwa asi. Because you don't just prosper like that. You need to be patient. May God give you a spirit of patience. And as you take the risk that your faith may require, may you wait patiently to see the benefits of those risks you've taken. Can I have an amen from somebody? What is the fourth lesson you have? Taking risks in faith may rather save you from disaster. Alright, and number five, risks taken in faith can give rise to major blessings and breakthroughs in your life. How many are expecting major blessings in your life? And if you don't lift your hand, I don't know what will happen to you. How many are expecting major breakthroughs and blessings in your life? As you've lifted up your hand in faith, so shall it be in your life. It will happen practically in your life. In Jesus' name. Ladies and gentlemen, there are risks that you would have to take as a result of your faith. There are moves that you would have to make. And those moves may lead you on the path of risk. But may God guide you by his spirit and lead you to those blessings and lead you to those breakthroughs. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Alright, I think we did up to five. In it. Alright, so let's move to number six. The sixth lesson that should guide the risks of faith. Taking risks in faith, write it down. Taking risks in faith can lead to resounding victories in life and ministry. Taking risks in faith can lead to resounding victories in life and ministry. Do you have that? We are talking about the lessons that should guide the risk that you're taking in this life as a result of your faith. And number six is taking risks in faith can lead to resounding victories in life and ministry. Judges chapter 7 verse 1 to 7. F. Judges 7 verse 1 to 7. New Living Translation. The point again is taking risks in faith can lead to resounding victories in life and ministry. So Jerubal, that is Gideon, and his army got up early and went as far as the spring of Harod. The armies of Midian were camped north of them in the valley near the hill of Mori. The Lord said to Gideon, You have too many warriors with you. If I let all of you fight the Midianites, the Israelites will boast to me that they saved themselves by their own strength. God will never share his glory with anybody. And when he realizes that that is what is going to happen, there are certain things you will never do in your life because the glory must go to the Lord and only he is worthy of the praise. 
That is why sometimes God will bring you to a point where he will strip you naked. And you don't have anything. You don't have anybody. Then you would have no other option but to lift up your eyes onto the hills from whence your hell will come. Hallelujah. Therefore, tell the people, whoever is timid or afraid may leave, may leave this mountain and go home. So 22,000 of them went home, leaving only 10,000 who were willing to fight. So once upon a time, there were 32,000 of them. All of them said they were going to war, 32,000. When the opportunity presented itself for some of them to return, out of the 32,000, 22,000 were afraid men. They said, ah, no, I ain't dying a foolish death. They returned and they were left with 10,000. But the Lord told Gideon, there are still too many. Bring them down to the spring and I will test them to determine who will go with you and who will not. When Gideon took his warrior down to the water, the Lord told him, Divide the men into two groups. In one group, put up those who cap water in their hands and lap it up with their tongues like dogs. Like this. Okay? In the other group, put all those who kneel down and drink with their mouths in the stream. So they knelt and then put their head in the water. Spreading the gems and drinking from it. Only 300 of the men drank from their hands. The ones who did this. Only 300. All the others got down on their knees and drank with their mouths in the stream. And the Lord told Gideon, With these 300 men, I will rescue you and give you victory over the Midianites. Send all the others home. Hallelujah. God is amazing, isn't he? They started off with 32,000. Now that's a sizable army. That looks like a formidable army. Is that not so? Then when the opportunity was given to them that those who are afraid should go home into the bosom of their wives, 22,000 said, I'm going again. I'm going home. 10,000 were left. And God said, even the 10,000 cry, they are too many for what I want to do. And so an exercise was conducted. And at the end of the day, only 300 were left. And God said to Gideon, Gideon, these 300 are the people I'm going to use to give you a great victory. Gideon, when he heard this word, could have told God that, God, this fight that you are sending me into, I can't go. Because I had 32,000 and it was reduced to 10,000 and now you've reduced it to 300. I can't. It is, it, it, it is less than a thousandth of the army that I started with. I can't. He could have given up. He could have decided that this mission that you have 
sent me on, I can't carry it out. There's no way I can succeed. But Gideon had faith in God. And he took that risk. He went into that battle with the 300 men. And God gave them an outstanding victory. May God give you great victories in this life. As you act in faith. And as you take the risk that he's expecting you to take. Hallelujah. May he carry you from victory to victory. From breakthrough to breakthrough. From triumph to triumph. In the mighty name of Jesus. If by faith you believe God and you take the steps that you must take, I believe that God will give you resounding victories in your life. Lift up your right hand and say with me, I shall be victorious as I believe God, as I have faith. Believe that when I take risks in accordance to my faith, I will have a great victory. Clap your hands for the great victories that are coming your way. Wow. Look at this other story in 1 Samuel chapter 17 from verse 32. Still the New Living Translation. 1 Samuel 17, 32 to 37. From victory unto victory. His army shall be lead Till every foe is vanquished And Christ is Lord Lift it up a little bit for me From victory to victory His army shall he lead Till every foe is vanquished And Christ is Lord indeed The story of somebody's life is about to change it's been a story of defeat followed by defeat followed by defeat it may be a story of disappointment followed by disappointment followed by disappointment it may be a story of disillusion and of dreams that never came to pass but as you step out in faith faith in God faith in his word and you begin to take the steps that you must take. And you begin to take the risk that you must take. I declare to you that the story of your life would experience a turn around. I didn't hear your amen. I didn't hear your amen. That business that you are involved in is about to change forever. This morning at dawn, somebody sent a message to me. She said, Bishop, I can't continue anymore. I feel like giving up. She said, I'm tired of a life where every time I need to ask people for money before I can survive. And I know it because she's always asking me for money. So she'll send a message. Daddy, can I get something small? something small and anytime she asks 
by the grace of God, I'm able to send it to her. I don't know what happened to her when she went to sleep last night, but at dawn, she woke up and sent that message to me. Listen to me. Your life as a beggar is ending from today. That life of overly dependency on somebody else, that thing is changing forevermore. God is restoring honor and dignity back into your life. You will no longer be a receiver. You will become a giver in this life. And God will usher you into a great victory in your life. Experience a great victory in your finances. A great victory in your job. A great victory in your business. A great victory in your marriage. A great victory in anything that you are involved in. Shout aloud, Amen! Ask you to turn to 1 Samuel 17. Is that not so? This is the story of David and Goliath. And David and Goliath were not the first disciples of Jesus. Alright? Because... Give me some water to drink, please. Have you read Tom Sawyer before? Have you read Tom Sawyer before? Have you read Tom Sawyer before? Ah. Now, end them of Rabba, never book in our kind. Have you read Tom Sawyer before? Ooh. What, what, what has he been reading? Hardly doing what? Hardly doing the goats. Those are the things you've been reading. Oh. What a shock. April, have you not read Tom Sawyer before? Have you read, okay, you've read Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. You've read that one before. Have you read <laughs> Alibaba and the Forty Thieves? Well, this guy Tom Sawyer, he went for Sunday school. And they said anybody who is able to mention the first two disciples of Jesus will be given a prize. And they called him and said the first two disciples of Jesus were David and Goliath. So the Sunday school ended that day because I've never heard anything like that before. What a shock. Don't worry about this Philistine. Verse 32 of 1 Samuel 17. David told Saul, I'll go fight him. Don't be ridiculous. I mean, don't be ridiculous. <laughs> Saul replied, There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You are only a boy and he's been a man of war since his youth. But David persisted. I've been taking care of my father's sheep and goats, he said. When a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. Wow! If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. I have done this to both lions and bears, and I will do it to this pagan Philistine too, for he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. Saul finally consented. All right, go ahead, he said, and may the Lord be with you. And you know the end of the story. God gave David an outstanding victory. And he defeated Goliath emphatically. The irony of it all was that he used Goliath's own sword to cut off his head. Wow. Now that thing that David did was a risk. 
never mind that you've killed a lion before or you've killed a bear before. Because like Saul explained to him, and Saul too, I don't, I don't really understand him. Obi asman neba. So unfair diani emre ni mianomo. Ewo battlefront. Then the boy has come to you. So Saul was in his tent when they came to inform him that there is somebody who has shown up because. Goliath had thrown a challenge to Saul and his armies that they should just select one person, that there's no need to shed blood. The armies of Israel should just select one chump, 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 champion to come and fight he, Goliath. The one who wins, it's a winner takes all. If he, Goliath, wins, then the, 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 the people of Israel become slaves to the Philistines and vice versa. But nobody could show up. And even Saul himself went to hide under his bed. He was in his tent when they came to tell him that a champion has arisen. Somebody says that he's ready to go and fight. He said, bring them in. Bring him in. Let him come. When they opened the cover to the tent, you see, if a, goal, if a giant has thrown a challenge, and somebody says that he's going to fight the giant. What kind of person are you expecting to see? Another giant. So when the cover of the tent was open, Saul's head was lifted up. He was looking for another giant. So he asked, where is he? Then he heard a voice that hadn't yet broken. I am here. <laughs> so his head dropped like this. And standing before him was a small boy like Daniel with a baby face. He said, Ah, what are you doing here? He said, I am the one. The one to do what? To go and fight against Goliath. He said, Hey, go home. He said, I won't go. He explained to him that it's not a football match we are talking about here. It's a real fight to the death. And David explained to him that I am used to things like this. I'm a little boy, but I've been taking risks for some time now. He asked him, have you fought a lion before? He said, no. Have you fought a bear before? He said, no. He said, I fought and I defeated and conquered them both. I can face this guy. It was a risk. Goliath, well, there are two schools of thought. Some believe that he was six feet, nine inches tall. Others believe that he was nine feet tall. All right, I mean, let's not argue about these things. All we know is that he was a giant. I'm surprised that Saul could send somebody's child to go into battle. If I see him, I'll ask him. I'll, unless, I'll ask him, pa. It is child abuse and child labor. We reject it. But you see, David knew the one in whom he had believed. He knew that the Lord who took care of him in the wilderness and delivered him from the lion and from the bear. He knew that it was a risk going into battle against that fearful looking guy. You should have seen Goliath's muscles. You should have seen his biceps. You should have seen his, his triceps. 
But David went out against him. And God gave him total victory over him. He stepped out in faith. He took the risk that he needed to take. And the outcome of it was that he had a resounding victory. Clap your hands for brother David. And may God do something similar with you and by your hands. Things that people will not dare to do, may you dare to do. May you dare to dream big. May you dare to achieve great things in your life. May God take you out of a life of smallness and insignificance. And may he lift you and propel you into a life of great things and of great achievements. Shout, I receive it three times. Two. Three. Why don't you give Jesus another hand clap? Number seven. We are talking about lessons to guide the risks of faith. Number seven, the seventh lesson, a refusal to take risks in faith. A refusal to take risks in faith can lead to missed opportunities and great loss. A refusal to take risks in faith can lead to missed opportunities and great loss. Matthew chapter 25, reading from verse 14 to 29, New Living Translation of the Bible. Matthew 25, 14 to 29. Again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, five talents, two bags of silver to another, two talents, and one bag of silver to the last, one talent, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. By the way, we all don't have the same abilities. And so don't expect that when God is giving things, you will get exactly what your brother got. Because you may not have the ability to, to handle it. Is somebody getting a revelation here? Yeah. So don't esteem yourself more highly than you ought to. And, and don't be envious of other people and what they have. Always tell yourself that my time will come. But the truth may also be that your abilities are such that you cannot handle things of that magnitude and of that quantum. But the interesting thing, and you discover it in this scripture, that if you are faithful with what you have, if you are diligent with what God has given you, you will go places. And God will lift you to great heights. I sense a lifting up of the Lord coming upon your life. I, said, I sense divine promotion coming into your life. It continues. The servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and earned five more. The servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. But the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. After a long time, their master returned from his trip and called them to give an account of how they had used his money. The servant to whom he had entrusted the five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest. 
and I have earned five more. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling the small amount. So now I'll give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. The servant who had received the two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest and I've earned two more. The master said, well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling the small amount. So now I'll give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Then the servant with the one bag of silver came and said, Masha, I knew you were a harsh man. Harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. What was he saying about his master? That he is what? He's a thief. He's a stealer. He's a thiefer. I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here's your money back. Joadier. But the master replied, You wicked and lazy servant. If you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. Then he ordered, Take the money from the servant and give it to the one with the ten bags of silver. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. May God deliver you from this unfortunate situation. What was the problem of this guy who was given one talent or one bag of silver? He was an afraid man and he was not prepared to take risks. He was a fearer. And that's a story of a lot of us in this life. We like to stay in our comfort zone. We like to just stick with what we have and what we know. And I see that especially with black people. Those of us with this, my color. We, 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 we don't like to try out things. And our attitude is an attitude where you discourage people from trying out things. And when they dare to try, you find out that the people around them will do everything that they can to discourage them and to pull them down. And so because of that, where we can be, we don't get there. What we can achieve, we never get to achieve them. We were here on our continent when some people dared to explore the world. They built ships, got into them, traveled across the fearful oceans, and they came to discover us. That's what they did. Why couldn't we? also build boats and sail across the ocean to go and discover them. Why must we always be the ones to be, to be discovered? And then when we have been discovered also, then we, we, we start spreading all kinds of stories. Christopher Columbus is a damn blasted liar. And songs like that. We also should have gone to discover others. But the problem is that we struggle and it's, it's, it's a challenge and we are too afraid. Because that's what the one talent guy said. He said, I was afraid. It is not as though he didn't have anything. 
Let me say this to you, my friend. Everybody under the sound of my voice, you have something that God has given to you. There is nobody listening to me today who is bereft of a certain gift, of a certain ability, of something that God has given to you. Because God, he gives to everybody liberally. Everybody has something. If you don't know what you have, it is either you are blind or you can see it, but you just decided to ignore it. And it is not about the quantum of what you have. That's not the issue. It's about what you do with what you have. There are people who have prospered and flourished in this life because they took something little that they had and they did their best with it. They did their best with it. There's this place where they sell wachi. It's called Alaji's wife. I've been there before. I just said, what the If it's real hot, watch it. Every time you be dear, Watch it, one CD, Kanzo, two CDs. What Jimeko be brave, Guso? Eh, 50 pesos. Garini, Talia, 50 pesos. Well, there's a place called Alaji's Wife. And there are a number of them. What do they sell there? Watch it. She sells wache just like Ada, Memuna, Salamatu, Abiba, Aisha, Adiza, Awero, who sell wache at Shiles, at Afienya, at uh, Betele, at the same. They all sell wache. But you see, they have taken what they were given. And they have done something great it obviously must have involved some risks. And they took those risks. The guy with the one talent, he ended up experiencing great loss because even what he had was taken away from him. How did he get into that situation? Because he didn't want to take risks. May your life not become an empty, insignificant life just because the steps that you ought to take, you are refusing to take those steps. No. We cannot allow that to happen anymore. I said we cannot allow that to happen anymore. There is a seed of greatness in you. It is a seed. But don't despise it. Whenever you see a forest, once upon a time there was a seed. And out of that seed, great things have come out. So don't let me ever hear you say anywhere that I don't have anything. That ministry. Rather pray that what you don't know about yourself, may God open your eyes to see it. And when you see it, may he give you faith to run with what you have. And may the steps of risk that you need to take as a result of your faith. May you take it 
and may God honor your faith and bring you to a place of greatness. I thought somebody was going to say amen to that. Number eight. The eighth lesson. We are almost there. The eighth lesson to guide the risk of faith is that impossibilities become possibilities by taking faith risks. Impossibilities become possibilities by taking certain faith risks. Impossibilities become possibilities by taking certain faith risks. Matthew chapter 14 verse 22 to 29. If you take this message and you believe in it and you run with it, whatever area of life you are looking at, be it secular, be it spiritual, I prophesy into your life that God will do something with you and by you that will blow the minds of all the people who know you. They will look at you and not comprehend how something so great as they are seeing with you could have happened in the name of Jesus. Matthew 14, 22 to 29. Immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake while he sent the people home. After sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land, for a strong wind had risen and they were fighting heavy waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came towards them walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, It's a ghost! It's believed that evil spirits, witchcraft power and all of that, it is at its highest around three o'clock. Somebody said, yeah. Is it because you've been companying with them? That's why I mean when I was saying it, I said that it is said. Now what they are so yeah. That's a very good answer. Beautiful. But Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid, he said. Take courage. I am here. And then Peter called to him. Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water towards Jesus. Somebody should clap his or her hands for brother Peter. Peter did the impossible. And please, do not come to me after today's message and say, Pastor, I believe what the word of God says. So um, what, what is the closest river around here that you are going to walk on it? There's a dam at Zenu. That's the closest. Or you want to go to the Volta Lake that you are going to act on today's word. Please, 
What I read to you is called Logos, written word. There's a difference between Logos and Rima. Rima is spoken word. The word that Peter received was a Rima. He said, come. Have you met Jesus anywhere where he called you and asked you to come and walk on water? Please stay on the earth like that. Because even the earth now wounds. Stop that rough there. Peter took a risk. I'm sure that as he was getting out of the boat, the others were complaining. Peter, and Penny sent to know, to know. Peter Bekuyen, yo, Peter Bekuyen. Peter Bekuyen, yo, Peter Bekuyen. Peter the assembly and the assembly Peter the assembly and the assembly But Peter said, I am going. And he went. And he actually did what is an impossibility. But when you are a carrier of a prophetic word, and you take risk because of that word, what is impossible to others will become a possibility for you. What is an impossibility to others will become cocoa for you. Why? Because you have received the word of God. Faith has been stirred up in your heart. You are acting on that faith. You are taking the risk that you should take. And God is glorifying himself in your life. May God glorify himself in your life. In the name of Jesus. Number nine, as we close. The ninth lesson. You can experience a mighty deliverance by taking faith risks. You can receive a mighty deliverance by taking faith risks. Joshua chapter 2 verse 1 to 14. We don't have time so you can read that. Joshua 2, 1 to 14. But that's the story of Rahab. Joshua sent out two spies to go and spy out the promised land. And they went to stay in the house of Rahab. Who was a very famous prostitute in town. I don't know why that is the house they went to, but that's where they went. What they went looking for there, I do not know. But that is where they spent the night. Now, the king heard that some two spies from the nation of Israel had come to town. And so he sent out a search party to find them. Rahab knew about it and she took a risk. She hit those guys and she lied about it. And told the king that, oh, they were here, but they left long ago. They went up the hill, so they went. And it was a dangerous thing she did. Because the king could have organized for a very detailed search to be conducted in the house. They would have found the guys and they would have killed them and probably killed Rahab and her entire family as well. But she took risks. And as a result of the risk that she took, she saved herself. She saved her family. And the story doesn't just end there. When you are reading the story of the genealogy of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, you will only find three women whose names are mentioned there. One of them is Rahab. She was included in something that she didn't qualify for because of her faith and because of the risk that she could take as a result of her faith. And that is why I'm explaining to you that you can experience a mighty deliverance for your life 
if you are prepared to take faith risk. And number 10, a great ministry can be born by taking faith risks. Last scripture for the day, 2 Corinthians 11, 22 to 30, New Living Translation. Paul is talking about himself. Things that he's had to do. Moves that he had to make. Risks that he had to take. He said, are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they descendants of Abraham? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I know I sound like a madman, but I have served him far more. I have worked harder. I've been put in prison more often. Been whipped times without number. And faced death again and again. Five different times the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole night and a day adrift at sea. I have traveled on many long journeys. I have faced dangers from rivers and from robbers. I have faced danger from my own people, the Jews, as well as from the Gentiles. I have faced danger in the cities, in the deserts, and on the seas. And I have faced danger from men who claim to be believers but are not. I have worked hard and long, enduring many sleepless nights. I have been hungry and thirsty, and have often gone without food. I have shivered in the cold, without enough clothing to keep me warm. Then, besides all this, I have the daily burden of my concern for all the churches. Who is weak without my feelings? Without my feeling that without my feeling that weakness. Who is led astray and I do not burn with anger? If I must boast, I would rather boast about the things that show how weak I am. The story of Paul and the great things that he did tells the story of a man who really believed God. One day he said, I know whom I have believed and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him. He really believed God. As a result of that faith that he had in God, he was prepared to take a lot of risks. Many of those risks he recounts in this passage of scripture that we just read. It's risky to go on certain journeys. It's risky to sail on the seas. It's risky to go to a place where you know that people are waiting for you to kill you. But he never held back. He never gave up. He never threw in the towel. He pressed on. And at the end of the day, he achieved great things that nobody else none of the other apostles were able to achieve and accomplish. His story is a story of somebody who was prepared to take risks and God honored his faith because it was his faith that led him to take the risk that he took. And today, more than 2,000 years after he had lived and left the sea, we talk about him. A lot of what we know in Christ Jesus, we know because of Paul and the ministry that he had, and the powerful revelations that God gave to him. May I announce to you today, 
that if you are somebody who is serious about ministry, then a great ministry can come out of you if you are prepared to take the risk that you must take. Shepherds Fold Restoration Family, we got to take some risks. And we've already started. We are doing things that others may look upon and say we are crazy. But I want to assure you that if you continue trusting in God and believing in Him, what He's going to use us to do, the great ministry that will come out of us, it will be something that people will talk about for a very long time. Not to give glory to me or glory to any of us, but the glory will be given to the Lord at the end of the day. May these lessons guide you as you take the risks that your faith may demand of you. And may your life become a phenomenal one to the glory of the Father. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the sweet fellowship of the Holy Spirit remain with us all now and forevermore. Amen. Give Jesus a mighty hand clap. Let us pray. If you don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior, but you want to have that wonderful life-changing experience, I can help you. And it's all by having faith in Him and daring to believe in Him. Pray this prayer with me. Say, Heavenly Father, today I come to you just as I am. Oh God, I take a step of faith. I open my heart and I receive Jesus as my Lord and my Savior. For the rest of my life, I will serve Jesus and I will follow him. Oh God, please write my name in the book of life. Make my life brand new. Make something beautiful out of my life. I thank you, Father, in Jesus' mighty name. And let everybody say, Amen. God bless you for praying this prayer. Thank you for listening to The Shepherd's Voice with Pastor Johnny Awanyo. We do hope that you were greatly blessed. For further inquiries, please call, WhatsApp, or send an SMS text to plus 233-243-886-622. God bless you.